exactly. Okay, so the start of this podcast starts off with you just saying exactly no. in a slightly Scouse accent, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. You're listening to the Money Shop Podcast with your host, Damien Fogg, making personal finance and investing easy to understand, less intimidating, and even bordering on fun. Just let me know um, how good your editor is, and then we'll just go from there. I mean, mate, I'm not editing it, and we've already started. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less. Okay, yeah. let's, let's go then. I mean, we already have. So everybody, this is Mark Simpson. Mark, introduce yourself, because I don't know how to introduce you. So my name, as, as Damien kindly put, is Mark Simpson from Scarborough, uh, which is in the North Yorkshire of England. Uh, I'm the founder of a company called Boostly. Uh, I've been doing that for a few years now. I met Damien at an event in Brighton, of all places, uh, due to a Facebook group that we're a part of, and we've just kept in touch since. And uh, I followed his podcast, read the book, did all the things, and then now we we sort of work together uh, in bits and bobs uh, through through the things that Damien is doing. So yeah, that, that that is me. I've got a wife, three kids, like to travel, which will become apparent throughout our chat on money. Excellent. That was much better than I could have done. The, I was trying to think the other day, when did we actually first meet? Because I think the first time we spoke had something to... I think I was looking at a property in Scarborough and someone mentioned the fact that you were from that neck of the woods. And so I think I got in touch and you basically said, yeah, that road's a shithole, so don't bother. <laughs> that was a Facebook message, yep. Yeah. That, that was that. Um, scrolling back on the Facebook chat, I think it was about 2016, 17, just as I joined uh, Coffee With Dan Facebook group. And someone said, oh, he's from Scarborough. And yeah, you reached out. And it was one of those quick chats just saying, yeah, don't bother. <laughs> so it just sort of went from there. Fair is fair. You've been giving me investments advice since the start. Started in Scarborough, ended up in Bali. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only way is up. So, yeah, I suppose we should randomly touch on that. So you obviously started off in Scarborough. And mm-hmm. initially, so Boostly, you can tell us a bit more about what it is it does. But it started off quite sort of location dependent wasn't it yeah very very much location dependent to be honest when I first started it and the idea came to me 2017 and at the time didn't have a clue what it was going to be I just knew that our family business the place I'd been working at for a while which was a a bed and breakfast um, cottages tea rooms in Scarborough that was put on the market and because uh, my parents were ready to retire and we weren't at a, a stage, me and my wife, to run that business because we'd, we'd grown it over the years to be bigger than what a family needed. It needed like proper business minded people in chat, let's just say. So when I was looking at the next steps, I was just sort of thinking, well, what could I do? And I just sort of saw in the local area that there was a lot of hospitality owners, guest house owners that were struggling when it came to social media, struggling when it comes to getting their own bookings instead of coming in from third parties. And uh, I just started to go to the people that I knew in the area and said, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Could I, could I help you? Or do you know anybody that could help? And that's how it started. It was very location dependent. And then uh, it started off really well. I had four or five regular clients on a monthly basis, but, um, 
you know, as we'll, as we'll come on to, I and my wife, we both love to travel. I've always done it in some way, shape or form, whether it's soccer coaching in America or just backpacking with a buddy around Asia, Australia. And the problem with a location-dependent business, and I know there'll be many people who are listening to this who may have one, specifically if you like traveling, is that you are feel like you're a bit claustrophobic. You feel like you are stuck to one area. So in 2018, we decided to, to switch all that up. So that was a very conscious decision that you wanted to set up your life so that you could be a lot more location free. Yeah, definitely. Plus as well. Um, and I've, I've never really had a business before. I did franchise uh, a soccer coaching business back when I was like 19, 20, but that was, that was not to the level of what this is now. And I've learned a lot. And like from the groups that we're a part of, I've learned a lot. And one of the things that, um, I was always at the back of my mind is that I couldn't scale. I couldn't build the business because I was, when I'm, when I'm doing this one-on-one service, it was very much, I could only look after four or five people at a time. And I was just thinking, okay, so we want to travel. Um, I want to, I want to flip. I want to pivot from one-to-one to a one-to-many, like do online coaching, online courses, so to speak. What's the best way of doing that? And that's where it's just sort of all, all changed from there. And then we sort of realized on the back of it, it was like, well, we don't actually have to be in SCAR, but we can, we can do what I'm doing now anywhere in the world. And so from a financial point of view, if you looked at it when you were just doing, say, well, before you even started doing the coaching and helping other people with the marketing of their own B&Bs, when you were just looking after your family B&B or you're involved in that, what sort of numbers were you making then versus when you were doing four to five, one-to-one type thing to where you are now, where you're doing one-to-many? What's yeah, been so the when, sort of progression from that? When we're in the family business, it was a set wage, but then there was options of um, when the business sold, there will be additional money come in. So basically uh, like a commission of a sale. So it was very, with the family business, it was a set wage, but for, for me and my wife, uh, bills were obviously all taken care of. We had our own sort of apartment on, on the farm. And, you know, it, 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 was, it was great. But when we sort of looked at the next level, um, then going into my own business, when I was doing the four to five clients a month, we're sort of looking at um, gross about two to 3,000 pounds a month. Um, because I was charging at the time and I did charge a very low rate. And I realized this because I had to build up my sort of portfolio, but it was uh, 500 pounds a month. And what that meant in return was that they had all their marketing taken care of. It was, I looked after their sort of online portals, their their website, their social media, email marketing, all of that. Uh, And like I say, it got to a point where, um, if I was to ask for more money to, for, the, for the people that I was working with, they just couldn't afford it because the, it, it just didn't work out. And again, yeah. I was then stuck because I couldn't physically work with more than the five or six at the time that I, that I had. So that, that was sort of like the, the moment, even though more money was coming in, obviously then you've got to start paying your bills and all, all the other things that you've got to do when you're self-employed. And yeah, it just, it just didn't, didn't stack up. So then we, we, we changed it. And so now the progression, obviously, to one to many and what you're doing now, has, have you seen a significant jump up in that? I mean, I know you have because I know your accounts, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, full disclosure, Damien literally knows everything about my ingoings and outgoings. And, literally, yeah. I have the login details to all of his stuff. Yeah, he knows how many McDonald's that my kids have on a monthly basis, which and is kind of And the fact that funny. when you go to McDonald's, you buy a burger and then go back about 30 minutes later to buy a cup of coffee. Anybody who's got kids will realize why. 
<laughs> well, I will, Maybe uh, that's a family thing, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, all the parents are nodding their head going, yep, sound, I get that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, 100%, over the last two years, since going from one to many and starting up a online coaching program called the Boostly Academy, um, it's, it has meant a lot of things. So it has meant that we can move around and we can travel a lot more, but it also has meant that I can help a lot more people that aren't just in Scarborough. Now, if I was to look at my membership, there's 340 members in there. Um, there's a very small minority of them are from Scarborough. We've got people from all over the world. So we've got people from uh, Spain, we've got Australia, we've got, we've got Bali, we've got um, Florida, we've got uh, Hawaii, we've got Af- South Africa, we've got from, from all over. And I would never have been able to do this and help them without by, by flipping it. And um, yeah, so now the, the income has gone up five, six times that amount from what I was doing when I was doing one-to-one um, and like being, being local dependent and, and that, and that is, uh, that's gross. Cool. And so from a managing your own finances point of view, what were you like previously to where you are now with it? Cause obviously we've worked together in sort of a mastermind. We've worked together one-to-one a little bit and we're now working together more on a business side of things. So most of it you can blame me for, but mm-hmm. How how were you at managing finances previously versus where you are now? To be honest, I didn't I didn't have a clue um, before I started to do your courses and reading the books and things. I didn't even know the different types of assets. To, to be perfectly honest, um, as far as savings go, uh, everything that I had in savings would just go in a spare account of my Barclays Bank <laughs> that I just wouldn't touch. And uh, then I met my wife and all those savings drastically disappeared very, very quickly. Uh, <laughs> see, I am one of those stereotypical stingy Yorkshiremen. Um, Laura has brought that out of me a, a, a lot. So, you know, I, I do like to save. I will spend money when I know that it's not wasting money. So it's not like I don't like to spend money. I just hate wasting money. And Laura's definitely brought that out with me. But we had poles apart where I would like to save and then spend where Laura would like to go. Yeah, sound. That's a credit card. That's zero percent on a long term. Let's just grab that and we'll put all the money on there and then we'll work it out. That we will work it out as a common sentence in in our in, in our in our household. So yeah, before before I met you, it was very much a case of just just uh, all over the shop. To be honest, there was no investments. There was no organization. It was just a bit of a shit show. And have you got a bit more of an investment plan now for the future? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not doing all of the assets and it's very little, tiny little bits going in in different pots every single month. But um, yeah, so we've now got uh, bonds and stocks and shares and we're doing a bit of crypto and um, we're just sort of doing little bits. Uh, I did have, I did have a property. I did have a house in, in Darlington that we were living at and then we started renting out, but we, we sold that actually in, in 2017, number one, because uh, I couldn't be asked to have tenants anymore. And number two, we, was, we could have made, we, we, we did make about £15,000 profit on that. And we wanted to go traveling. So we just thought, sell that, get the profit, go off around Bali, Thailand and India for three months, which we did. And it was good. Happy days. Um, what is your plan now with housing? I, I'm at, back because at where that. are you at the moment? Where are we having this conversation? Well, where I am right now, I'm in Javier, Spain. Uh, we moved here two months ago. So this is back end of November, 2019. Two months ago, we moved here. Uh, we're renting 
but we do like it here. So um, we're planning on sticking around. Our tenancy is up in July. So the plan would be to go back to the UK for the summer, uh, see family friends, come back in September, put all our stuff in storage out here, come back and then look to find another, another rental. As far as property and as far as where we are like in a mindset we're pretty much full flip from where we were like ah, we just want to rent 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 but we're at a point now where we'd like to get savings up so we could buy a house in the uk or wherever buy a house um, it'd be easier in the uk and then start um renting that out uh, we could we could obviously come back and live there in the summer but then start you know maybe look to, to to rent it out and sort of get back in that sort of have another asset which would be property which is where you know, chatting to people like yourself and any other groups that are a part of is something that we want to sort of start doing now. So is that your next sort of big asset investment? It's going to be a property, but as you say, more from an investment perspective rather than somewhere for you to just live and stay put. Yeah. Um, buying a house in Spain, particularly with all of the um, Brexit sort of thing that's going on in the background is tricky, especially tricky for, for us and where, where, we, where we are. So as I guess it's, I, I always just like to keep things simple to an extent so we would um look to buy in england and have that as an investment instead of yeah living in and we would then rent in spain um for, for as long as we need to um and sort of the money that we make potentially from property would then fund our rental out here i mean that's where we're, our mindset's at, at the moment but um as with anything <laughs> nothing ever stays the same at you know, 6, 12, 18 months on, but that's where we are right now. One thing is for sure, we definitely want to get, we, we definitely want to get a property somewhere just to start to get that, but we just don't know where. So are you quite happy with the whole literal digital nomad in your case? Because obviously, uh, uh, what was it, about a year or so ago, where we ended up meeting up in Bali because you were mm -hmm. out there for, is it nine months or something? We, we were out there for a, a while, yeah. Um, yeah to, to answer your question, yeah, we, we, we do like it and the, and the boys like it. I mean, the boys, their ages, just for context, they are seven, uh, four and one. So they're at that nice little age where everything is just, you know, a lot of fun. They get to meet a lot of people. Like we're under no illusions that when they get to, you know, 12, 13, 14, they may want a bit more of a structure. They may want to, you know, um, stick around for a place more than a few months and, you know, so they can have our friends and, and whatnot, like for more than just like a couple of months. So I guess we're just sort of getting it all, all done now while they're young enough, they can just, you know, you can pick them up, pack them up, put them in a car and, and drive them wherever. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, yeah, we, we do enjoy it. I guess Javier is an amazing place in Spain. It's, it's um, very laid back, very chilled out. It's, it's got the beach, the, it's, it's sunny all the time, you know, and, you know, there's only a few days that it rains a year. So as far as like what we look for in a place to, place to settle at, this is ideal. Um, so I'll get, I, we're definitely going to like settle down here for more than sort of five, six months, which has probably been our, our average over the last sort of couple of years. And then from a finance point of view, how do you plan for all of these moves? Because obviously the move themselves has a cost involved. I think you have to buy a car for this trip, didn't you? Something stupid. But how do you budget for, A, the moving costs of it, and then setting up shop in a brand new place? Do you have like a consistent budget that you want to spend and you look for something within that budget? Or do you just play it by ear, depending on where you are in the world? As in, you know, Bali was obviously a lot cheaper from a food point of view than I imagine Spain is or England is. 
to, to be honest, we've never really had a budget up until about a couple of months ago when, when you put one on us. And, um, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we've always just, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but the plan is not to plan. We've always done it. We've always just sort of seen what we have and just sort of make it work. Like when we um, got back from Bali, it was June time, uh, June 2019, and we needed a car. We were very lucky. We found one on Auto Trader. It was a Renault Grand Scenic, it was a grand, and we just bought it thinking, yeah, if it lasts us yet till, till we leave, mint. But not only has it got us around the UK from what we were doing, like when whilst we were there, it's now got us all the way down to Javier. We drove all the way from Newcastle, got the ferry, Amsterdam down to here, and it's Touchwood still going now. So um, as far as like the car wise, yeah, one thousand pound, and it's got it's a seven seater, and it's and it's mint, and it and it gets us about as far as like putting money aside and stuff. I've got the, the automated investments and things going into pots that I don't even, I can't even see. I don't even want to see them. I just know that it's going into different places. So as far as like saving up money for it, we're pretty much the, the rate that the money comes in to the rate that the money goes out. That's all pretty much of a muchness. And I don't really borrow or touch things that are going into saving pots or, you know, investments or whatnot. So it's, it's always just a case of, we just, we just seem to make it work, <laughs> which is, it's always nice. mad, which is, yeah, which is always nice. And it's a bit scary at the same time. Cause you're thinking, ah, what after this one time, it literally goes tits up. But again, touch wood, we're, we, we, we do all right. And um, I haven't just got the one investment stream with Boosley. I haven't just got the Academy. The, there is other things that we do as far as web design and, uh, and you know, I, I do, I do other little bits and bobs. So it's not just the, the one thing. So we can, if we need be, if I want to do a big push for something to bring you know, more money into the business, so to speak, then I can just, um, I've got other things to, to sort of fall back on. Cool. And what's Laura's view on all of these changes that you started to make with having an investment plan and having some sort of budget? I know, as you say, you two had different views on, finances and budgeting and all that stuff Has, have you seen any change in there or is she just like yeah okay mark whatever i'm still gonna do exactly what the hell i want to do i'm i'm not gonna lie your name is mud a lot of the times with budget and, and stuff <laughs> uh which you are which you're fully aware of because laura has told you face to face um yeah. you know what it's, it's one of those where she said from the start when i started talking about working with yourself and laura more on a one-on-one -on -one basis it was i'm not gonna like it but i know we need to do it so, um, yeah, like I say, the, there is the old times where like, she literally comes running up to us saying, I've got a mint idea. It's going to be this, this and this. And I, I can see her getting excited. And I'm just, I'm just like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to say no, I. <laughs> and so yeah. you just blame me instantly. I, 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 just, I just basically go, wow. And there's a picture of you. Okay, I can just get a picture of you on my phone going, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's changed the password on all my accounts. I can't get access yeah. to it. Yeah, but it, it, it's one of them. It's... it's um, we know we need to do it and the budgets are in place and I'd be lying if I said that she looks at them. I do have to send screenshots and send them to her and she still doesn't look at them, but <laughs> um, we are getting better. Um, the, the, the problem that, that we've had is we've got these budgets in place and like I say, we, we, we try and stick to them as best as possible. But since we've been back, there's always been a, oh, but we've got this conversation so it's like oh we stick to this oh, but we've got a birthday but oh we've got this or oh, we're doing this and i just said to laura i said i think it's now becoming over the last four months that 
that all we've got this is the problem and uh, so it's just sort of like trying to plan and budget around it because we've never been settled all of 2019 and I, and I, I said this to uh, Laura last week we're just sat in the house and like, this is the first time that I felt like we've been settled since last December so it just goes to show how, how, how crazy our sort of life has been this year we've, we have been in I think it's like 14 countries like our one-year-old has been out of the UK um, Morvan is actually being in the UK and he's been on more flights than a lot of the grown adults that I know. So it's, it's been a bit mad. <laughs> yeah, because I remember we talked about that and it's one of those things. People see budgets and think, oh, this is going to be horrible. It's going to be really rigid. And in an ideal world, yeah, it is. You stick to the budget you've set yourself and you don't divert from it. And that means you can then grow whatever, you know, savings, investment pots, whatever you want. The reality is when you actually have to live your life day to day, you do have things like birthdays come up or you need to buy a new car for whatever reason. So there's always going to be shit that happens. In your case, that seemed to happen a lot more frequently. And mm. so we even talked about you need like a, oh, but what about this budget specifically for anything that does crop up. So at least you are budgeting for that. And sometimes it'll be less than that each month. Other times it'll be more, but at least you've got a set pot for these extraordinary items that seem to happen every so often. Mm. That would be good to have a, oh, this sort of moment. So uh, yeah, we, we need to add that to the, to, the, to, the, to the Money Hub app is the, oh <laughs> shit, sort of uh, thing that does seem to come up quite a lot. But no, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, definitely, it's definitely something that we needed. And I know it's not a short-term thing, medium to long-term, it, it will, it will be, be beneficial. It's just, you know, you know it's like for anything, you just got to adjust to it. Yeah, it takes a bit of time. It doesn't have to be perfect as long as you're doing something and working mm -hmm. towards it. Yeah. So from a, looking at the long-term then point of view, do you, because obviously you work for yourself, do you see yourself retiring at any point? Or is it the sort of thing that you want to build something up, an asset that you can sell for a crap ton of money? Or do you want to always be doing something? Or what's the, what's the ideal, very long-term plan? Uh, well, I'm 36, point of recording, so there's still a, a long way to go. Um, do I ever envision retirement? No, not at present moment in time, just because it's, it's hard to envision that when, you, when you're 36. Um, and I, I am still relatively new in terms of having a business. It's three years in now. So um, where I am right now is I just want to, uh, next year, 2020, I just want this to just, just grow. I've, I've done a lot of um, preparation for it. I've, I've made sure that um, I've been having the right conversations with the right people. So where, um, where I am right now, I can become the go-to name for hospitality, um, coaching, training, when it comes to getting bookings. And I'm just having, I've just, I'm getting to that point now where I just want to just go with it and, and, and see what happens. I, I, I really do think that 2020 is going to be a year that it just sort of takes off. Uh, to answer your question about getting investment or, or selling or anything, um, and, and we've had this conversation, and, and, and it's, I've had a conversation with a lot of people, it's, the, the way that I'm doing all of, all of this is it's um, Boostly and, and whatnot is, is a personal brand. And uh, as anybody knows who's ever scaled a company and sold it, it's very, very hard to sell a, a personal brand. But I've, 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 I've grown this on purpose like this. So it is me. Uh, I am Boostly. Boostly is me because what I want to do with all of this, my, my big goal is to help um, 
a million hospitality owners all over the world and to increase their direct booking. So that means they're relying less on booking.com, Airbnb, Expedia and whatnot. And And if we can start to move the needle and if we can get more people aware of direct bookings and we can get more people increasing those direct bookings. My ultimate goal is that we can get these OTAs to lower the commission rates from 15% down to 10%. And if, if we can do that, and if we can get enough people talking about this book direct movement that sort of started, then that's my ultimate goal. Now, up until that point, until I get to that point, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in retiring or stopping, even if that means it's going to take 10, 15, 20 or, or 30 years. So, that's so where are the million million uh whatever airbnb not airbnb uh just hospitality, hospitality yeah. yeah that was the word i was looking where, for where, where did that where number come from where did that number come from well it's, it's just a nice big number and i know that if it was only a thousand people that were increasing their direct bookings then it's not even a it's not even a mark they won't even pay attention to it but if it's an if it's a big enough number and it's a big enough people being helped or like all over the world because there are literally now um, so many people getting into hospitality and hospitality it doesn't mean that you're a guest house owner you own a hotel it can be anything it could be if you're doing short-term rent on, on your properties if you're an airbnb host um, if you've just got um, like one rental two rentals or, or anything like that that's you are a hospitality owner when you get into that and everybody when they come into this world they just think that all they have to do to, to um, get bookings for their properties is put it on booking.com put it on airbnb and you'll be sound but when you do that you are drastically going short term and not looking at the long-term benefits and again this is what these big companies booking.com airbnb they take all of the guest data and they want you to do that they want you to think that that's the best way so i'm just coming at this from an angle that you know i've been there done that i, I know how it how this system works like working at the family business for so long and I know that the pain points of so many people around the world are having with this. So that is a big number. It's an ambitious number. And I'm only just beginning. Um, to date, we've got three, like 340 people in the Boostly Academy. There's 3,500 uh, 3, members in the, in the Facebook hospitality community, which is the free one. And, you know, I'm doing a lot of training in there. Um, alongside with what we're doing with the websites and whatnot so it's a very small amount but you know it's big ambitious goals to sort of work towards sounds like fun so when you look at a goal like that presumably it's not necessarily a financial incentive is it to influence so you've got that group three and a half thousand of free people that you're helping out and 350 that are paid members of your group yeah that million people that you want to help it doesn't necessarily correlate to well, I want five million pounds a month or whatever. So, it, yeah. which at what point does it divert for you? At what point do you think? So, I know we've talked about this before about you know your ideal life cost expenses. Yeah. What's that sort of level where you're like, well, you know what? If I'm earning twenty grand a month net of everything, there is literally nothing else I want. So after that, my goal becomes forget money. It's now all about having that impact on a million people or whatever it might be for each individual. What's that sort of level for you? Yeah, it, I mean, it is a it is a good question, and, it, and, it, and it's one that I just flip from every month. It's like, am I looking at the wrong thing here? Am I looking at the wrong goal? Should I be looking at more of focusing on a on a financial goal instead of the the impact goal? And I and I literally it, it goes around in my head all the time, and it normally goes around to the fact of how much uh, 
expenditure we've got on, on a monthly basis. Because the, the income at the moment on a month-to-month -month basis with website design, which is really taken off, which is going well, and all the little bits were coming, it seems to be around about the same sort of mark. Uh, expenditure really does depend on what is happening that month. If software needs updating, if um, uh, if there's affiliation costs to go out to the partners that I'm working with, or just if you know we're booking flights, <laughs> literally that is where the expenditure <laughs> normally seems to sort of go up or down. Um, I I I know that if I can get to um, that goal of a million, then it means that not only will it be an impact, but also financially for me and my family, we will not have to worry. Um, if, I, if I can get to a thousand people within my world, as in paid people, a thousand, if we're sort of talking like, like uh, monetarily at the moment, if I can get a thousand, then that will mean that um, bills just won't need to be worried about. Because even... When we get to, to, to that to that level, it's not like we're gonna. When I say we spend a lot of money, it's it's not like we're, we're just buying stupid things. It's just that always seems to be that oh shit, we need this, and it happens a lot. And I know it happens a lot. <laughs> like that car, that car is gonna go, and I I'm preparing for it every time I take it. I turn the engine on. I'm thinking this this fucker's not coming on. Betsy is dead. <laughs> is today the day it dies? Is today today, and it and it does so well. And anybody who's been to Javier in Spain, well, no, it's very hilly. And I, every time I take it up a hill, I'm just like, oh, fuck, it's going to go. But she's doing <laughs> so well, even like the, all the creeks and everything. So I know that there will be a time when we're going to have to have to buy a new car. Now, the problem in Spain is that to get out of a second-hand car, because of the logbooks and actually changing ownership is really expensive here, the, uh, even the shittiest, tiniest little car costs about three or four grand euros so i know that over the course of the next few months i'm gonna to have to try and find that money because we're gonna need it so you need you need a car to get around here so if i can get as close to that level whether it's um through website design which is like i say is really taking off or through the the, the training or the other things that i know them then we'll be good um but yeah it really does depend on a month to month basis so i'm thinking of the impact goal or the financial goal okay cool yeah. so yeah i mean it's don't want to drag on too long. So you've already mentioned spending money on random stuff. What is the stupidest amount of money you spent on something? Uh, so this was actually 10 years ago, way before um, we even had, had kids. The stupidest money that I ever spent on was um, I was working for a company called Yelp, uh, a review listing site. And my job was literally to call up and sell uh, listing spots in there and what one of these cold calls that I had to do was to a guy who was selling um, he said it was like the next best iPad this was 2009 like iPads had just come out like it was the iPad 2 or something I was like oh mint and he was like yeah it's like a fraction of the cost and I was really getting sold for it and I'm going to be selling him listings but I ended up buying <laughs> one of these friggin iPads he's like knock off iPads off him I went to meet him outside HMV down on um, down on Oxford Street there and I got it, took it back to the office and I had my, my buddy next to me sat in there and he said like the look on my face when I opened it up and tried to turn it on and saw how shit it was. Uh, that was, that was definitely, and I always say it's probably one of the stupidest things I, I ever, I ever bought. And it's one of those things. How much you, you paid for it? Let's see what those iPads were going about, maybe 300 at the time. I probably spent about 200, 220, 230 quid, but it was awful. It wasn't even worth like a paperweight. Uh, I pretty <laughs> much spent 230 for a paperweight. So again, moral of the story, buy cheap, buy twice. And I definitely did. <laughs> so that is, that is one that definitely, definitely ranks up there. 
And what about the best purchase you've made for under 100 quid? Because I feel like if we gave you unlimited, it's got to be the car at the moment. Well, I love this, I love this question because, and this, I'm going to give an answer to this. This is going to knock Lorish, yeah, if ever does listen to it, because um, it was only recently that I got this. It was 90, 99 euros, so definitely under 100 quid. Uh, we went into Lidl. And what I love about Lidl is you go in for a milk and you come out with some random shit that's in the middle. Yeah, you aisle. come out with like a chainsaw and a jet ski, don't you, or something? Well, this is even better because I came <laughs> out with an electric hoover, one of those little round robotic hoovers that like you turn it on and it does all the hoovering for you when you're out. Yeah. Now, now in England, those things are redundant because like it's really crap on carpet, but Spain is just built on marble, you know, uh, and... Uh, I absolutely love it because I'm the one who ends up doing a lot, a lot of the cleaning and I, I'm sweeping all the time because our one-year-old decides that he doesn't want to eat like a normal person. He just wants to tip his food up on the floor. So We've uh, all been there. And, I, and I'm, I'm, t- I'm too, you know, I'm, I'm too nice to make him do it, clean it. So I, I, all I do is, is when we, we, we go out to school, I put the little thing on and it's got its own little route and it just does it all for you. It's amazing. When I, when I walked out of Lidl with that, she was, Laura was fuming, like proper fuming. Uh, she went to boot camp that day and she was like punching a punching bag and she was punching my face talking about that rope like robo hoover but now <laughs> she's grown to like it that much where she was uh flicking through some on on instagram or whatever and because obviously our phones listened to us like an, an ad came up to uh for a, a, a robo a, a robotic hoover but it was a mop version and so she sent me a screen grab saying this, this can be the girlfriend for the robo hoover so i know i've converted her and that's my one under 100 and just because i'm a i'm a I'm a snarky bastard. I'm getting that in so I can show Laura this later. <laughs> Okie dokie. Yeah. I like how Laura still managed to flip it around to adding something else onto the shopping list for herself. <laughs> she's got a knack. I'll tell you, she's talented. <laughs> talented lady. Sam, is there anything else I'm supposed to have asked you that I said I was going to? I can't remember. No, no. I think, I think we've gone through everything. And I love how the host is asking me if there's any questions. <laughs> I know, but you sound far more professional than I do. So, well, well, that's <laughs> you on can record. interview everybody else. It's on record. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the one bit I'm going to edit out, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right then, we'll say goodbye to everyone, Mark. Bye, everyone. All right, see you later, everyone. So you just survived and hopefully enjoyed the money shot from Damien Fogg. If you just can't help yourself and you want even more, head over to theepinvestor.com forward slash podcast for the show notes, links to whatever shit he just talked about in this episode, possibly some exclusive content about cool finance stuff and even maybe a free pony. 